Open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 11. Uh, I don't know what the warning label should be on this message, but um, there should be one. Um, uh, So we're going to go through a section of scripture that might be a little difficult to wade through. Before I get into that, though, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. Uh, We are a church. We are a church. Uh, We are an assembly of people that we gather together uh, we live in a particular area, uh, the great city of Tehachapi, uh, and the outlying areas. Um, we uh, are people, and we're living life. We're living life in this time, in this place. And uh, if you have something going on that you want to talk about, that you're struggling with, uh, please reach out to us. Like, we can't read your mind. Uh, and. Sometimes we don't even read your cryptic messages on Facebook, okay? And so um, your needy cryptic messages on Facebook. Anyways, but um, uh, let us know. We want to uh, We want to care for you and pray for you. We don't have uh, all the answers of life. Uh, in fact, most of the time we'll just sit and listen, and then we'll say, we need to pray about that together. And so this is what we do here as a church. And, and I, I want you to know this, too, that... Uh, sometimes God has steps for us to do, things for us to uh, change or to take. And other times, it's just keep doing what we're doing and watch him provide. Uh, and so um, I just wanted to encourage you, uh, if you know an elder here in the church, you can reach out to them or call the church office. Uh, we'd love to pray for you and care for you. Uh, in these crazy times, and they are crazy, don't let anyone tell you different, uh, I heard Larry the Elder uh, pray uh, for our church just a few moments ago, and he was talking about just the crazy times we live in, and the, the reason they're crazy is because we're not used to them, right? We're used to having smooth sailing and good times, and uh, we see things on the horizon that look a little ba- um, little difficult or uh, turbulent. Anyways, Uh, which brings us to our passage this morning, Daniel chapter 11. Uh, Let me pray for us, and then we'll we'll dive in. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your church. Uh, God, we are uh, needy people. Uh, We uh, will not change from that. We still need you. Uh, We will need you forever. And so, uh, God, help us to develop that relationship even today. Uh, Teach us much that we might trust you more. Uh, God, help us to abandon the ways of man uh, to fix the problems of this life. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we've been in the book of Daniel for a long time, uh, and we are coming towards the end, maybe three or four messages in the book of Daniel. And uh, Daniel is a book, uh, most of you know the, the, the big story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, the fiery furnace, and then Daniel uh, in the lion's den. These are the big uh, stories that we hear as kids, and, and they're great, uh, amazing truths that are important to us, important to us, that uh, when we're young, uh, we should not bail uh, on the, that which is true and walk with the Lord. We should walk with him no matter what, even if we get thrown in the furnace or the barbecue or whatever. Um, we should continue to walk with him. And Daniel showed us also later in his life that you shouldn't stop. You shouldn't stop. And even if there's pressure and there will be enemies, the idea of continuing to walk with the Lord, praying for his, uh, in his role, 
uh, sent him to the lion's den, and that God can take care of us if that would be his will, if that would be part of uh, his plan to glorify himself through our lives, that he will save us and show everyone that he is in charge, uh, both in the furnace and in the lion's den. But other times as well, he wants to bring glory to his name, uh, that his people will walk with him, even if it costs them their lives. And so uh, we are uh, in that book. And then the latter portion of the book, which we're in now, is uh, God is sharing with Daniel uh, visions and messages from angels of what is to come, what is to come. And Daniel, at the end of his life, which is where we're at now, uh, he's in his 80s uh, at this time, uh, he is, God is revealing to him through an angel uh, what is to come, what is to come. Now, that sounds really exciting. Um, it will be exciting, but that'll be next week, okay? Uh, this might be... I don't want to say I'm going to be a boring preacher today. I realize that's a bad intro. It's going to be super exciting as we go through these uh, steps of history. Anyways, uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 11, we're going to get through, Lord willing, uh, verses 1 through 20 this morning. Um, These things have not happened. These things have not happened. If you can picture Daniel at the end of his life, uh, he is wondering what is going to happen to his people. And when I say his people, he is one of God's chosen people. He was from Jerusalem. He was an Israelite, part of the Jews. And and as he thought he was been taken into captivity, he was uh, asking of the Lord, really pleading with the Lord, like, what is going to happen next? Well, what is going to happen after I'm gone? And this is the answer to that. What is going to happen after he is gone? And so um, Daniel writes down for us what he heard uh, from the angel um, as we look at Daniel chapter 11. Um, So here we are, uh, Daniel chapter 11. Did I pray already? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Just keeping it real here this morning. Uh, Daniel chapter 11, as we look at this... uh, um, once again, we see a timestamp in verse one. As, and as for me, the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Speaking of the, the angel, uh, if you remember back, uh, they were brought into captivity, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian. Uh, there were a couple of kings after them. We, we heard just little bits and pieces of different rulers. And then uh, the, really the combined kingdom of the Medes and the Persians were after that. Um, and that's what we know of uh, Darius was a Mede, and the, this is in that time where the angel was coming and speaking to Daniel. Verse 2, uh, and, and now I will show you the truth. I will show you the truth. Uh, as you look at this, you realize that he is giving him the truth about what is to come. Uh, I want to ask you, what do you think is going to come next in our world? Who's going to be the next president? Who's the president now? <laughs> um, so uh, what's going to happen next? What, you know, what, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, what, what's life going to be like? Uh, this time next year, 
Uh, what, you know, and, and some of you have some pretty distinct ideas. I hope so. I hope you have some ideas and thoughts about, you know, I hope you're not just going, I have no idea. I, you know, I, I don't want to think about it. So let's think about something else. Um, I'm going to play, uh, video games and, uh, scrabble on my phone, uh, till it all plays out. I, I don't, that's not the way to live, but, um, what's going to happen next? And so this is the question that Daniel was mulling over, and not just mulling over, but we can see in the previous chapters that he was crying out to the Lord. He was saying, God, what's going to happen? Uh, his heart was burdened for his people and what was going to happen after he was gone. And this is the response to that of God. God shares with him what is going to happen. And as the angel said, uh, I'm going to share with you the truth. Now, um, do you think... Do you think in our world right now that there are men and women who have plans for this world? Yeah, and so uh, they totally do. They, they totally do. And I, I'm trying to not talk too much about this this morning. But know this, that they can lay out plans for you and for me. They can lay them out. They can, they can write them in little books, and they can make speeches with graphs and charts and all these other things. And they can talk about the plans and the, the problems of this world and how they're going to fix them through this and that. But in the midst of that, Daniel had those people in his life as well. Um, he had gone through a bunch of different kings, and he anticipated kings to come. And the angel says to him, let me... I'm going to show you the truth. I'm going to show you the truth. You know, uh, how long does a king think that he will last? Forever. Forever. And for those who are a little bit more self-aware, they think, well, I'm going to uh, live to the ripe old age of whatever, and then I will have my son rule. And you know, and, he, and you know what my son's going to do right after I'm gone? He's going to do exactly what I would do. Sons never do that. Sons never do that. I can say that from having sons, but I can also say that of being a son, right? You know, uh, this idea that uh, my kingdom and, and my rule and my thoughts will go on forever. That's man's plan. And in the midst of uh, that, Daniel wondering about that, God speaks to him through an angel and says, I'm going to show you the truth. I'm going to show you what's going to happen. Now, uh, Daniel chapter 11 and 12 uh, gives us some of the most detailed, uh, um, without names, uh, history that is to come. History that is to come. We'll come back to that. But uh, So we, we start out in the first four verses. I, I already talked to you about the timestamp, verse 2, the truth. Verse 3 Verse 3, we see, uh, it says, uh, actually, let me read verse 2 as well. And now I'll show you the truth. Behold, three more kings shall rise up in Persia, and a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has come uh, strong through his riches, he shall stir up against the king, kingdom of Greece. Okay? And so let me, let me just walk you through these verses slowly and just give you a few of the details. And what we're doing here is we're seeing, we're seeing the, the words of the angel shared with 
prophet Daniel, he's placing these details out there, and now we're comparing it with history, knowing how that came to pass, knowing how it came to pass. And so uh, we see Darius the Mede, that we know that is a truth. Daniel is in, uh, under the leadership of the Medes and the Persians at this time, what was foretold that there would be three more kings and another far richer. Uh, now, uh, when, when the Bible says riches, what do you think of? Good things or bad things? Some of you are looking for trick questions here in Bear Valley Church. You think of good things. Do you want to be rich or do you want to be poor? I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I, I can't say that in church because I know it's not one of those type churches. Uh, anyways, um, you want to be rich. In fact, uh, when I was a kid, which was long ago, some of you don't even know about this great show that was on, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach. And this dude would go, he had a great accent, just an amazing accent. And he was a short guy and he was very, uh, like he had much expression in his voice and he would go around to these rich people's houses and he would show them and I remember growing up watching that going wow that'd be awesome those people are living an awesome life because they got a lot of stuff big houses cars and all kinds of cool stuff you know they must be great people because they're rich uh you know that was my simple thinking to that in later times, those of you who are younger than me, uh, MTV had a similar show called Cribs. But anyways, uh, that was mostly like movie stars and rap singers and stuff like that. Cribs, you know, show, me, show you my house. And, and, and the picture here, when you see riches connected with a leader, it's meant to validate that they were a great leader and that, that they were maybe even better. As you look at this, you realize he says... Uh, that there were these three kings that didn't matter, and then there was one that was far richer. It didn't say it that way, but that was the idea. There was three kings that weren't all that distinct, but then there was one that had a lot of money and a lot of possessions, riches. Um, as we look at this, we see uh, that this mighty king uh, shall rise. Uh, um, as you look at it, and he shall stir up the kingdom of Greece, okay? So that, that introduces a different kingdom. Medes and Persians are, are together. They're kind of co-ruling and highlights the Persians, three kings, and then another one that's rich. And what is he going to do? Uh, he's going to stir up against the kingdom of Greece. And what you're going to see here in this passage is one king and kingdom against another king and another kingdom. And we're going to quickly go... Uh, from the Persian time and the Greek into the Greek time, and then to north and south of God's people in Palestine. Okay, and so there's this idea that his riches are stirred up. This special king, his riches are stirred up, um, and his wealth is uh, going to be used to attack or to stir up against Greece. Well, what happened? If you look even in the scriptures. You see, there's a king spoken of in the book of Esther, Xerxes, uh, was a very wealthy king. It says even that he had these parties that would go on 180 days. Uh, that's a significant party, right? 
Uh, you got to have a lot of outfits for parties that go on 180 days. So he was incredible in his wealth, and what, that wealth was used to ready himself to attack Greece um, in, in these times. And so what we're seeing, if I can say this again, from the time of Daniel, okay, Daniel didn't live through all of this that we're going to speak of. In fact, most of it was beyond his life. Daniel is hearing or seeing or seeing what is to come. And so he is in the Medes and Persians time and it's transferring over uh, to Greece, okay? And so he goes against Greece. Verse three, um, and this is just kind of chronicling the history. Um, In in verse three, it says this, uh, then a mighty king shall arise who shall rule with great dominion and do as he wills. Um, a king of great dominion from Greece. Who's that going to be? Alexander the Great. Um, I, I'm going to. I think it's funny because uh, a couple of these people took on the title of the Great, um, Kevin the Great. Uh, I just think that's funny. Uh, anyways, uh, Alexander the Great, um, and he was referred to, and even in the scriptures, as we look at this, and this mighty king, he arose. And he uh, ruled with great dominion and do as he wills. This is one of the ways that Daniel expresses that the king has um, great leadership and great power. And so there was great, uh, even though Xerxes had great wealth, now come, we come to Alexander the Great and he has great dominion. He does as he wills. Um, That would be a time, and I'm sure Alexander the Great thought of himself, even as a young man, as, I'm going to do this forever. I'm going to do this forever. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, really succeeding in all that I do, and uh, people know me as a powerful leader, and and even as it's spoken of that that Alexander had this... um, ability that even though his troops were far, far away from him, that they did what he wanted them to do. They respected him and they, they answered to him. And so Alexander the Great was probably a, a, an adequate name for him. Uh, this mighty king, he arose and he ruled with great dominion and he did what he wills. Verse four, and as soon as he had, uh, as he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided into the four winds of heaven. Uh, what happened in Alexander's life is he died at 32. He died at 32. Uh, he, his death brought about the, the brokenness of his kingdom, this, this great kingdom that he had assessed and won. Uh, he had fallen apart at his death and was divided up into four generals. And this starts the history as you, so, so this is being foretold, but as you read the history, it is so convoluted and uh, complicated, and, and this guy didn't like this guy, but this guy was supposed to be the king, but he didn't because he was dumb, and, and this guy got killed, and so, but there were four generals that came out uh, under, from under um, Alexander the Great. And as you look at this, you realize that he was a great king, but he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to hand over his kingdom. And so 
Uh, there was jockeying for position. There was a half-brother involved. There was uh, these generals that had fought and uh, won for him. Some were better than others. Uh, these four wins. But this is what it says happened after Alexander the Great. Uh, and as soon as he had risen, his kingdom shall be broken, divided uh, toward the four winds of heaven. Those are those four generals that we see. But not to his posterity, uh, nor according uh, to his authority with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be plucked and go to others besides these. What happened uh, is these generals, these ones that came after him, they weren't like him. They weren't great. People didn't listen to them. They were selfish and they fought amongst themselves. And uh, there was no sense of legacy that he left. There was no succession of his family uh, and the authority of which he ruled. Nobody followed them. Nobody followed them. And so it describes his kingdom as being plucked and handed over to another. Okay? And so that's uh, where we see Alexander the Great. Verse 5 is uh, uh, a transition to another uh, section. And really, I would say uh, two family, two family names or two kingdoms that would, uh, that would rule to the south and to the north of God's people in Palestine. So it, as you can picture what, what I'm going to talk about, and like I said, it's a little complicated, but if you can picture God's people in Palestine, God's people in Palestine, and to the north, the Syrian kingdom, okay? And to the south, the Egyptian kingdom. And what is happening during this time is these two kingdoms to the north and to the south of God's people are kind of jockeying for significance. And I would say it this way, jockeying to be the one world power, the most significant power in the world. Uh, things haven't changed much. Uh, there's countries jockeying for position. And so as we are going to go through this section from verses 5 to 20, you're going to see uh, this picture of two kingdoms and two uh, groups of people. It's 200 years. It's 200 years from the time of Daniel uh, to when we end uh, chapter 11. It's going to be 200 years. Actually, it's even less than uh, the full chapter, 200 years. And so what you're going to see is these kings and kingdoms rise and fall, rise and fall. Uh, and the two family names that you're going to see are the Seleucids and Ptolemy or Ptolemy. Um, however, it, I, the silent P always gets me. Um, anyway, uh, verse 5. Uh, then the king of the south shall be strong, but one of his princes shall be stronger uh, than he uh, and, and shall rule, and his authority shall have a great authority. Uh, so if you're to the south, that's the Egyptian south of Palestine, south of God's people, um, and you see Ptolemy uh, as being the stronger one that shall rule, and his authority shall be a great ruler. Verse 6, and after some years, they shall make an alliance. Who shall make an alliance? The south and the, the, south and the north. Um, they shall make an alliance, and the daughter of the king of the south shall come to the king of the north to make an agreement. Uh, 
you, you know that from history that many times uh, when they wanted to make a treaty, this is a dumb way to make a treaty, by the way, okay, especially if I have a daughter and this is a dumb way to make a treaty. Um, the one king would bring his daughter and say, hey, why don't you, you, my daughter will marry you and then we'll be friends forever because I like my daughter and I don't necessarily like you and uh, your, this marriage will somehow uh, make a treaty with us. So that's what they did. South uh, brought uh, to the north uh, to make this agreement. Um, middle of uh, verse six, but she, she shall not remain the strength of her arm and he and his arm shall not endure, but she shall be given up and her attendants. Uh, he who fathered her and he who supported her uh, in those times. As we look at uh, the time frame of this, we see this woman, Bernice, who was uh, the wife that went to the north to marry. Uh, guess what happens? Well, her father, who gave her for this treaty, thought it was a good idea. I don't know if it killed him. And eventually, just a couple years later, he died. And what does the husband from the, the north do with his wife? Well, he divorces her. He divorces her. He puts her away. He says, oh, that guy's uh, gone. He's dead. I don't like this woman that I got in, as part of the agreement. And so I'm going to get rid of her and go back to my other wife, uh, Laodice. Um, and so he divorces her and goes back to his other wife, Laodice. And so what, what happens, we know from history, uh, Laodice kills her husband. She doesn't trust him anymore. That's, you know, this is what happens. She, uh, you divorced me, and now you want me back, but I don't really trust you anymore, so I'm going to have you poisoned. So he's poisoned, and what does she do? She goes after the previous wife and kills her, and kills her, and elevates her son to the throne. Okay? Everyone keeping score? Right? Some of you moms have been uh, little league moms, and you're, you're keeping score. You're doing book and stuff like that. Well, this is an extra inning game. Right, and there's you know crosses and too many pictures and all that stuff. It's happening, okay? That's what happened. That's what happened in history. This is what was being foretold, okay? That there was this woman that was going to come. She was going to be married in a treaty, but the arm or the strength of her uh, would be gone. Bernice dies. This other woman comes to power, kills her husband, gets rid of the other one, like elevates her son, okay? Verse seven. Verse 7, and from a branch from her roots shall arise in his place. Uh, he shall come uh, against the army and enter the fortress of the king of the north, and he shall deal with them and shall prevail. Uh, he shall also carry off to Egypt their gods uh, with their metal image and their precious vessels of silver and gold, and for some years he shall refrain from attacking the king of the north. So what do you see? Ptolemy. Um, by the way, uh, Ptolemy kills. Uh, so um, where are we again? I, I'm north, south, north, south. Okay. So um, the, the one that was in the north, north, uh, to, avenge, to avenge the death of his sister comes to the south and you know, uh, 
ransacks the place and kills a bunch of people, including uh, this woman that uh, killed his sister, had his sister killed. Um, And what do they do? They took a bunch of wealth and a bunch of stuff from Egypt. You know why? Because that's what they do. That's what they do. That's what people do. It's, a, it's all about conquest and wealth and power. And so we're seeing this back and forth from the north and south. Verse 9. Then the latter shall come into the realm of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. His son shall wage war and assemble a multitude of great, of great force, forces, uh, which shall keep coming and overflow and pass through and again shall carry the war as far as his fortress. This is uh, Seleucidus Calenius. Uh, he's the son of Antiochus the Great, who was also you know, uh, connected with one of the generals that had come down. And, and what does he do? Uh, he succeeds, but then uh, he is lost in his fortress at the end. Okay, Verse 11. Uh, then the king of the south, moved with rage, shall come out and fight against the king of the north, and he shall come and raise a great multitude, but it shall be given into his hand. And when the multitude is taken away, his heart shall be exalted, and he shall be cast, uh, and he shall cast down tens of thousands, but he shall not prevail. Ptolemy the fourth. Um, he is given, and, and this is an interesting thing too. Um, it says, it talks about the multitudes of his armies and like he has all this. How did he get that? He was given that. It kind of dropped into his lap, if you will. Uh, he, he was part of the spoils of war, uh, but know this, that at the end of his time, it says that he shall not prevail, shall not prevail. Verse 13. For the king of the north shall again raise a multitude greater than the first. And after some years, he shall come on with a great army and abundant supplies. Uh, Antiochus the Great, uh, he has the supplies of war. And what you picture here, you need to picture this. What does a king do? He gets in power and then he prepares for war. Gets in power, prepares for war. Grabs as much wealth people, armies, as he can. Uh, and in this case, he was, you know, if you're from the north, you're always, you know, Hatfields and the McCoys, right? You know, you're looking, you're getting ready to attack the south. How can I, how can I do this? Verse 14, in those times, many shall arise against the king of the south and, and the violent among your own people shall lift themselves up in order to fulfill the vision, but they shall fail. Do you hear that again? They shall fail. Uh, what you're seeing here, we're, I don't know if we're halfway through or not, but we're, what you're seeing here is kings get in power. They try to do some big stuff. They gather a bunch of money. They get a lot of troops and they attack, hoping that they will be successful. And they sometimes are successful. They're, sometimes they're not successful. But in the end, they either die or fail. And it's left to another. Okay. Um, verse 15, verse 15. Uh, then the king of the north shall come and throw up siege works and take a well-fortified city. And the forces of the south shall not stand or even uh, his best troops, for there shall be no strength to stand. 
but he who comes against him shall do as he wills. None shall stand before him, and he shall stand in the glorious land uh, with destruction in his hand. You see Antiochus, one of the, in the line again, and it says again that he will do as he wills. When the king is in charge, he does as he wills as long as he can, right? He does as he wills as long as he can. Verse 17. He shall set up his face uh, to come with the strength of his whole kingdom, and, and he shall bring terms of, of an agreement and perform them. Uh, he shall give the, him the daughter of women to destroy the kingdom, but it shall not stand, uh, stand or be to his advantage. What you see here um, is Cleopatra now being given as a wife of uh, agreement or of p- a peace, uh, her being given. But what happened, uh, if you study the life of Cleopatra, her, um, her affections or her loyalties did not go to her father and his family, but rather uh, she went against him, and that was a bad agreement. Do not do this, fathers. Uh, your daughter will turn on you in the end. Um, but it didn't work. She later uh, aided even the Romans uh, that they would uh, go against her father. Okay? Verse 18. We're making progress here. I'm going to tile this together, and it's going to make sense. Promise. Uh, verse 18. Uh, Afterward, he shall turn his face to the coastlands and shall capture many, capture many of them, but a commander shall uh, put an end to his insolence. Indeed, he, he shall turn his insolence back upon him. And then he shall turn his face back toward the fortresses of his own land. But he shall stumble and fall, and he shall not be found. Uh, what you see, again, where the Antiochus uh, goes out and he's successful, even in uh, going to the sea and even islands, um, as as you see this, he has great success in the land and sea, but ultimately he meets another that is, uh, pushes him back and he retreats to his fortress and eventually dies uh, hiding in his fortress. Uh, having been successful, he had to retreat. Verse 20. Then shall arise in his place one who shall send an exactor of tribute for glory of the kingdom, but within a few days he shall be broken, uh, neither in anger nor in battles. And you see the Seleucids for, uh, what is he known for? <laughs> what is he known for? Uh, he could have been an American president. You know Why? Because he was a tax collector. He's a tax collector. He, his big idea of how he was going to rule and what he was known for, what is so great, he prophesied that he was going to be a tax collector. He was going to sock it to him. That's, that's funny to me. Um, what you see in the end of Seleucus 4 is that he was uh, killed by poisoning, uh, an assassination by poisoning. And so... Uh, the practical thing there is don't charge taxes too much or you'll, they'll want to kill you. Okay, we, we, we've made it through the first 20 verses. And you say, what was all that, Kevin? And, and I want to I hopefully give you, first of all, it was preparation for next week, is preparation. Next week, we're only going to handle one king, one king. And that king, that king is a type 
uh, um, is, is a picture in history of the Antichrist, of the Antichrist. And so we're going to look at this one particular king, what he did in history, and then, uh, Lord willing, we will get to what the Antichrist will do at the end of chapter 11. I want to give you some things to bring this together, because I think it's important for us to understand that uh, as you see the scripture, this was inspired by God. This was inspired by God. God didn't say, uh, you know, I need a few, you know, my, my publisher says the Bible has to be this many pages, and so we're just going to put some filler in there. Um, it, what he gave us right there was 200 years of history. 200 years of history. Um, why did he give us 200 years of history? Well, uh, first of all, I'd tell you this, that, um, well, it wasn't 200 years of history. It was 200 years of prophecy. <laughs> do, you, do you understand that? 200 years of prophecy. And so we should go, wow. But what's interesting about this, right, is so Daniel, he didn't know what, uh, the angel was talking about, right? He, was, he didn't know who these characters were. The only reason I gave them names, and some of them I, I you know, probably got the wrong one, there were probably 30 characters that I could have talked about uh, in these 200 years that came up in history. Uh, what I, it was prophecy. It was things that are to come, are to come. And so uh, for Daniel, he was amazed at this prophecy. We should be amazed at this prophecy too. But now, because of where we stand, it is history. It is history. So I want to give you three things uh, from this prophecy history uh, that will hopefully be encouraging to you. And I do think it's important for you to practically apply this to your own heart, but also to this day, this day that we live in, this uh, bit of history that we are a part of right now. First thing is this. Man's leadership is failure. Man's leadership is failure. His best ideas, his ways, he, he does things. And, and what you see in these 200 years is one right after the other of failure. Uh, had some successes, but in the end was a failure. We, we have this dumb uh, picture, you know, we, we always ask the question, who is the greatest of all time? Who, who's the greatest leader of all time? And, and there's lists, and, and none of the lists match up, and you can figure out who's the greatest. And, and you, other, thing, other thing, you say, who's the greatest leader of all time? Or who's the richest in the whole world right now? And, and, who, you know, and, and who's the greatest, who's the richest? And what are we saying by that? What are we saying by that? That man can be great, greater than others, and that he is meant to be put up on a pedestal, like that we should follow them, that we should love them, that we should admire them because of their leadership or their riches. And as we look at this, we see that man's leadership is failure. It's failure. It always ends. It always ends. And most of the time, it is failure after failure until the end. Man's leadership is failure. Uh, Who's going to be on Mount Rushmore for this, right? Um, we should be talking about 
who is the worst leader, right? Who, who if there was a Mount Rush for, for the worst leaders, the, like those are the ones that we should be thinking about. Why? Because that is what man's leadership is. It's a failure. It, it's, it's not even a bad, uh, bad copy of God's. It's, a, it, it, it's apart from God's. It, 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 it stands out as this stark contrast. This is God's leadership. This is man's leadership. Uh, I think one of the uh, great uh, presentations in the scripture is, do you want to follow God or do you want to follow man? And this passage is a huge picture of that. Man's leadership is a failure. Second thing, uh, I believe God wanted to communicate to Daniel and to us, I know about the plans. I know about the plans. I know about the plans of the Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians. Okay, let's just stop there. Uh, that's not mentioned in, in, in this section right here, but Daniel just lived through that. that. That was his 70 years, Babylonian, Medes and Persians. And God knew about them. In fact, it's hard for us to get, but God was using the Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians to punish and to correct and to draw back the heart of his people. He took them into captivity so that he would use that in their lives to draw them back, to help them to understand how good it is to be with God, to walk with him, to follow him, to trust him. And so uh, God shares this through the angel, um, really, really not this particular section, but he says, hey, you know, I, I know about the Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians. This history that you walked through, Daniel, these last 70 years, I knew about that. I knew about that. I walked with you. I want to tell you, as you look at the history of your life, however old you are right now, you need to look back, look back. And know that God knew about all your days. He knew about your, your difficulties and your, your stumblings. He knew about where you lived and what you were doing. He knew about all those things. He wasn't going, oh, I don't know what to do with the Babylonians. I don't know what to do. I don't, I, you know, just bad day and they, were, you know, they weren't honoring. So then they got taken over that night when they were uh, mocking with uh, God's stuff from his temple. No, he knew about all those things. But that's not what he's talking about. He did know about those. But he also knew about the Persians and the Greeks and later on the Romans. He knew about them. And I would include... Not that it's important. He also knew about the United States of America. <laughs> he knew about us. And, and he didn't know about us because he was watching to see what happened. He knew about it in advance, in advance. So much so that he could prophesy about the details of these different kings that would come up and come down and come up and come down and fall apart and try to make a treaty and not make a treaty and this person die and then another son come up and all these things. He knew about these things. And I would say this. He says, I know about the plans of the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, and the Antichrist. I know about the plans of the Antichrist. And... And I would say it this way. 
I know about how the plans of the Antichrist will fail. I know about that. I understand that. I, I, I can tell you how this is going to play out. All the ungodly rulers, uh, I, God says, I know about them all. I know what they're trying to do. I know what their plans are. And I know how it's going to end. I know. And then lastly, I would say this. Human glory and human kingdoms are temporary. Human glory and human kingdoms are temporary. Uh, you see spots of greatness in this life. You see, whether it be leadership or finances or sports or whatever, you see glimpses of glory. Which I just want to tell you, whenever you see something great in this life, uh, connect it to the creator. Connect it to the creator. Uh, any, anything that you would see that's good in this life, there, it had a creator. It was God. He, he, he loved us so much that he created, and we are his creation, so he deserves the glory. But I'd say this. Human glory and human kingdoms are temporary. They're temporary. Uh, and because they're temporary, we shouldn't trust in them, right? We shouldn't trust in them. We shouldn't glorify them. We shouldn't worship them. Why? Because they're temporary. What you see in this section is 200 years of quickly turning over, and chaos, and then quickly turning over, right, to another. And uh, an inability of man to hold it together, they can have a good day and a good conquest and maybe a good war here and there, and then they fall apart, and then they fall apart. Human glory and human kingdoms are temporary. There's a kingdom coming. Uh, God will show himself to be um, the only king worthy, the only king worthy of being followed. Uh, this morning, I hope that's... Um, somewhat helpful for you as you think through the kingdom we're living in right now, some of your own desires to worship people and the hope in men and uh, a new president or a new this or a new that, like that we are not to hope in those things, but know that God has a plan. He's working out his plan. He knows the plans of men uh, and that his uh, glory, his kingdom is a kingdom that will never end. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Uh, help us to understand more. Continue to help this stir in our hearts as we compare the chaos of the Old Testament and the things that you prophesied about through um, the angel you foretold to Daniel. Uh, God, help us to uh, see that and to apply that today and really trust you for the days ahead. God, help us not to become shaken in these days. Uh, but that we would trust you and be excited uh, about the end coming and that we will be with you forever. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.